when everything is actually recording the genius things that come out of my mouth. Wait, that never actually happens. Or <laughs> shit that I like to say. It's good. Uh, yeah. As we get quiet. As we get quiet, we have this. We always have to get quiet before we start, especially when I'm on the episode. We were just talking about this last week, actually. Like we just did this bit last week. So welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. We're recording episode 287. I am Mark. You can very audibly hear that I've been joined by my brother Paul from Korea this week. Hi, everybody. Yeah, so Paul's here. Tim is away. Uh, actually, I think he's flying home presently uh, as we're recording this on his way back home. Uh, claims to not have COVID, but he was in Florida for a week. So, <sighs> I don't I know. Mean, geez, Louise, that Omicron. It really is. It's been, it's, it's rough, right? Uh, so Paul and I are doing this. Uh, you can see from the title what we're doing. I would assume we've watched Clue this week. Not exactly <laughs> doing heavy lifting this week at all just having Not, some fun yeah i didn't want i was gonna recommend like a another cerebral anime or like would have been fine i would have been into that I always mean, game. there's always next time but th- i wanted to do this because it was fun and silly and underappreciated so i'm going to thank you for all the jiggly boobs that i got to look at while i watched oh this movie God. also that was quite fun so that's awesome. But we'll start by getting into the news. First of all, can everyone just not suck for 30 seconds? Like, everybody just stop, right? Yeah. And not suck for 30 seconds. Because, like, we've got every company in the planet is making some variety of NFT. I've got Billie Eilish and Adobe trying to get me to do free work for Billie Eilish. I don't even know who Billie Eilish actually is. I know she's a blonde girl who sings. Yeah. Is she popular? I, yeah. Sure, right? Evangeline Lilly is an anti-vaxxer now. So now they got to like recast another Marvel person, I guess. I don't know what's going on. And I got to give up Spotify because Neil Young, Joni Mitchell, and now Holly McNarland, which I know is not as big a name as Joni Mitchell or big to us, (laughs) but she's important to me. My listening is now leaving Spotify also. So this world, this world can just go fuck itself basically this week. So we'll get into the actual news that I wanted to talk about. All we can talk about all of these things at some point. Sure. What else is there? The top, for some reason, as Tennessee School Board has decided to ban Moss, the you know Eisner Award-winning comic book fairy tale that tells the story of Jewish oppression under a Nazi regime. I don't know oh. why anybody in our southern states would be you know currently in a pro-Nazi mood. But uh, uh, oh, we need a balanced approach to history. <laughs> Good people on both sides is what I understand, Paul. Oh, I don't God. know. I am. They're already burning books down there. So, like at this point, we're we're just waiting here. I'm gonna start learning how to shoot at the border. I think probably oh, the next year. Or so it's gonna be a mess. The midterm elections are gonna be a mess. And what else? Oh, 2024, when uh, America full, goes full off-right. We'll see. <sighs> oh, boy. <laughs> so either way, uh, Art Spielman's Pulitzer Surprise winning comic, or trade paperback, it's a graphic novel, technically, is currently the number one selling book on Amazon, even though it has been banned by a number of schools in the States. It's the Streisand effect, if you try to. This is what they always, you know, who said it? I think it was Kurt Vonnegut. Right? Like, I mean, fuck, there's a guy they'll probably be banning pretty goddamn soon because he's. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. I'm a particular mindset, the man, you know, yeah. my favorite author of all time, basically, right there. 
like to think about this kind of stuff a lot too. Lived through World War II, all that kind of stuff. But either way, uh, yeah, this this is insane. And uh, I don't know how you bound Van Moss. I reread it this week just because I can. I live in a free country still, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> so it is a masterpiece. And, it is, uh, absolutely. And it is very threatening to people who like fascism. Boot looking authoritarians. Like, on, fascists are bad. And like, there's, I always bring, I think we, I bring this up almost every time I guest read Hannah Arendt's The Banality of Evil. It's like, they, they're like, oh, the German people were just following orders or blah, blah, blah. But that's the, the really scary part of it is that the Nazis weren't like supernatural evil in the way that Indiana Jones likes to frame them. They were like, it was go to work, punch the clock, murder Jews, go back home and like rest by the fire. Like that's the scary part of it. And people are like, Oh, you just can't call people Nazis because it's like they're, they were so evil. And that's the reason they were so evil is that it was their nine to five job to be evil. And that's mouse really kind of hits that home because like, yeah, it does stylize the atrocities because you can't depict those things straight up in a, an, a, a drawn form because it'd be too horrific to draw almost, but like, yeah, 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 yeah it's just, but the fact that they would ban it shows what threatens them. And like, yeah, accurate depictions of the Holocaust threaten them. And so there you go. That's all you <laughs> need way, to say. Go pick up a copy of Moss wherever you can grab it. Uh, make your kids read it. Most kids who read it don't turn into Nazis. I would, venture to guess because it's not like the most fucking friendly disney fight version of that kind of story you're gonna yeah. get pick up some other art spiegelman stuff too like uh, in the shadow of no towers is also very good although it's like a, w- a weird format but it's really cool mm-hmm. very interesting yeah check out all his stuff go for it agreed they're apparently making a disney snow white movie and peter dinklage is highly critical of this idea <sighs> i, I mean... don't disagree but i don't i don't really care <laughs> also <laughs> i mean they've done a few snow white adaptations in the past a lot recently like yes non-disney ones recently like yeah, i remember the yeah. Kristen stewart one yeah was there that was the one the... that had charlise in it because there was yes. one that had charlise in it too yes that's the same one yeah and okay. then uh there was the sequel with emily blunt where Kristen stewart didn't come but thor did so Wait, i guess when you say come if only uh all right <laughs> but um yeah the the uh chris hemsworth jessica chastain fucking train wreck um the huntsman uh, winter's war or whatever the fuck it was called it's terrible yes terrible but uh and they also had the oh man that one with lily G- lily some lily james is it lily collins lily collins was- snow white i don't, I don't one know. of them whatever <laughs> No, is that Disney's making a Snow White thing, and Peter Dinklage thinks that we should be past the point where we're making a movie about dwarves. I mean, the idea of like dwarves as funny side characters is a relic of circus bullshit from the from times past. And oh yeah, and I mean, there just needs to be more representation. But I'm glad Peter Dinklage is being the one to say like. Fuck all y'all. We just need more people in Hollywood who say shit. Say yeah. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I have no interest in any of those Disney live action shows 
or movies or whatever adaptations at this point. But that's a conversation we've had so many times on this podcast. It barely matters anymore because they just keep coming. So whatever. I mean, they could just update it so that she has like a harem of various men uh, who have those specific qualities: sleepy, sneezy, whatever. Like it doesn't. They don't well, have to be dwarves. Like, that's why they would call it like the Huntsman or something like that, right? Like that's probably why they did that in those other movies where they didn't do them as like they weren't dwarves or little people or whatever the proper term. I, I apologize. I don't know what the proper nomenclature is this week. Can't keep up with everybody's names. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, that's yeah. probably why they've updated those other movies, right? Yeah. So, I mean, this should just be like, I, you know what? I, I've only brought it up because it was a Disney thing, and I saw Peter Dinklage's name, and I was like, oh, that's interesting that he's upset about that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, that sucks. I guess. Yeah, Disney has Disney has been. Um, I don't know. Busy. Still trying to figure out their concept of representation, while still, you know holding out on like the, the idea, like they're using fairy tales and fairy tales come from the 1800s, you know, like yeah. it, uh, a lot of inherent and coded racism in a lot of those stories. Oh yeah. Like, you can't racism, anti-Semitism. Like, well, was, that's kind of what I was mostly getting at was like the flagrant anti-Semitism in most of the stories. It's not like, I mean, we've already, I mean, there was some nasty shit that happened to our Jewish friends this last couple weeks also like in the States and shit. So yeah. Fuck you guys! Like, just stop being shitheads. Anyway, we'll start to- stop talking about depressing shit and get into like fun news now. I guess fun news. Live action feature film adaptation of Masters of the Universe has finally cast a he man. It's Kyle Allen who was in West Side Story most recently. I guess this is a thing that's happening. They are really pushing like he man again. All of a sudden, Mattel. Like, I guess Netflix was involved, right? Because they did that Revelations, and they've got another show on there like there was a kevin smith like reboot of the original series and there's a new reboot completely of e-man it's on netflix now and now we're getting a leather live action movie if it's anywhere near close to the masters of the universe from 1987 that's what we really should be shooting for is that <laughs> level of quality yeah. bring franklin jello back his skeletor that is a performance <laughs> i would watch again let's do this right am i wrong i mean i that is a a camp classic if oh ever God, there yeah. was one. Oh, that's, man. That's the movie we should watch at some point. We'll have to do... I've actually talked to Tim about that. Like, that's a movie, like... We'll have to do, like, Bad Movie Month or something like that. Masters of the Universe would be, like, A1 with a bullet. Man. Like, it's best of the worst quality, like, the best schlock of all time, right? But it's terrible. Like, it's yeah. a terrible movie. Oh, God. But yeah. it's so good to watch. Yeah. It's, like, the opposite of Howard the Duck. Whereas, like, Howard the Duck just sucks all the time. Except yeah. for Leah Thompson in those panties. But, I mean, like, you know, neither you nor there. Yeah. But like, Master of the Universe is fucking terrible, but it is fucking awesome. Also, that so if you guys wanted to do a bad movie month for like bad but eminently watchable movies, my God, do I have a list? <laughs> like, oh, I know. I mean, <laughs> like we grew up on this shit. Like that's I like mean, that's our bread and fucking butter. I feel like so. that that should culminate in a viewing of Showgirls. To be honest, because I think oh like, that is the most eminently bad watchable and Paul Verhoeven was the writer Paul Verhoeven he's good he's really good at making I was just <laughs> watching the uh, Red Letter Media guys did a review of and they like going back and doing these random reviews of Total Recall like from <sighs> 1990 and I'm yeah. like god that movie was a magnificent piece of schlock oh my like, god like what a magical piece of fucking schlock Total Recall was it Remember is how the, the, the remake was he was like oh, watching yeah. I'm like Kate Beckinsale and Jessica Biel, and this sucks. 
this bad oh, that I want to go back and watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic 1990 movie. That, the 1990 Total <laughs> so Recall. I have just recently rewatched that, and I was oh, engrossed dude. the entire time. Like, it's a good what? movie, man. He makes good quality <laughs> satire movies, like Oliver Owen. And I, I feel like he did that series of movies because he did like Starship Troopers, RoboCop. And I feel like every time he got hired to do a big Hollywood movie, he was like, "I'm just gonna make this and rip on you guys." You know that, right? And they were like, "We don't care. You make us a billion dollars every time." And he was like, "Cool." Except, I'm just gonna rip on you, except for Showgirls, which killed except the NC-17. Right? Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> that okay. is that. It's all good. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, Kyle Allen, welcome to the fucking Eternia, but you know, yeah. Good times. Wasn't it originally Noah Centineo who was the like originally cast, and then he got dropped or decided not to do it? They've been talking about that movie for like since the fucking last one came out, basically. Yeah. Like it, He-Man comes up every couple of years. It's like, a, we should really make another one of these movies. It's like Conan, right? Yeah. It's there and it's like kind of easy to do. So like, why don't we do this every couple of years? And just the rights get tied up. And do, 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 do. But oh, no, yeah, they're right. making a big push right now with the He-Man stuff. And like, they're, I, I didn't hate Revelations. So like, I like Revelations a lot. When this movie hits streaming, I'll, I mean, I'll, I might go see it in the theaters depending on what the podcast situation is at the time. Yeah. But, uh, it might also just be one of those ones that I watch on streaming and like I'm hopefully pleasantly surprised by, fingers crossed, as opposed yeah. to like like the Dungeons and Dragon movie with Jeremy Irons back in the day, where you're yeah. just like, oh my god. If there's a barbarian in loincloth movie that yeah, I'm, gonna I, watch I'm it. probably gonna watch it. So yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, you Absolutely. know how it is. Anyway, we'll just go. We got a bunch of casting stuff to get through real quick. So mm-hmm. uh, Batgirl has cast uh, Ivory Aquino as Barbara's best friend. Apparently, Ivory Aquino is a trans actor, so mm-hmm. that's cool. Some representation in the DC universe. I don't know who they're playing. It didn't actually specify in the story, just that they've been cast as Barbara's best friend, mm-hmm. who is... I don't know. I don't read the comics to know who her best friend is in the current one, so who knows. Uh, but cool, good. I'm glad they're getting some like representation in the DC EU. Yeah. Getting more of that. A podcast favorite, Murray Elizabeth Winstead, has been added to the Ahsoka show for Star Wars. Yes. I will... Always fucking watch Mary Elizabeth Winstead yes. in movies. Get her Just... on the in the Marvel side of things because oh, man. she was fine as Huntress. She yeah, was fine. Whatever. She's I mean, like if she's in the Disney camp now, that's like she's a hop step and jump away from being hey, they gotta replace they're gonna have Shh, they're gonna have to replace Hope. I ain't saying no to Mary Elizabeth Winstead oh. as the wasp. You know? I'm so down for that. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I take her as the wasp. She's fucking awesome. She should have been the wasp. Actually, now that I think about it, she probably should have been the whole the fucking wasp the whole time. Sure. But I actually like her better than Evangeline Lily. Sorry, Evangeline Lily. You're fine. But like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is like A class babe. I mean, A class actor. Also A class babe. Yeah. 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 Excellent. So, I'm, yeah. Either way, I'm like, that's great. That Ahsoka show is really like. I mean, they got Hayden Christensen coming back. They fucking Vader and everything. That show's going to be weird. I'm like, it's that's going to be an interesting one. I'm going to watch it. I'm like waiting on uh, bingeability. Not yet. I'm waiting until the whole thing is done. Is it done? I don't know where it is in terms episode of. Episode five was this week. I just watched uh... it. Yeah, I watched it up yesterday. I was a couple episodes behind myself. Uh, I haven't been, I haven't been like loving it, but like mm-hmm. it's not terrible. Yeah. It's not the Mandalorian. Though episode five is basically an episode. Spoilers. Episode five is just like an episode of the Mandalorian. Like Mando shows up and it's just about him for the entire hour. And I was like, oh, okay. that's weird. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. Cool, 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 yeah. cool, 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 cool. Also, like, Ming-Na Wen's in it. Like, I'm going to watch her. In- I love Ming-Na Wen. Yeah, so that's good. Right. Yeah. 
Either way. Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead in uh, Ahsoka. Dope. I am all fucking there for her being in everything, basically. Fast and Furious 10 is still happening. The Rock is not going to be in it because there was some Twitter beef going on between him and Vin Diesel and Rocky was like, fuck this shit. I'm not doing your crap movie. I can make a billion dollars just by showing up in any other movie Mm -hmm. on the planet right now. I'm the goddamn Rock. Yeah. So he's not going to be there, but Jason Momoa is totally going to be in Fast 10. So okay. Yay, more bro dudes for bro dudes to watch. Crash cars. I mean, I'll watch it. I'm totally going to watch it. I mean, I might catch it on cable at some point like i i look at jason Moore. i know you do i do the the thing is like with the fast and the furious franchise Um, like i really don't know where to start or want to continue and like i i and they're always you you just watch just watch whatever they're they're trash yeah they don't really tie together that's why i want you to believe that they do but they do not that's why I save them for when they're on cable on like a Sunday afternoon and like, oh, I see Charlize Theron is in this franchise. Yeah. What? It's like, Charlize, what? I didn't even know. Jason showed up at one yeah. point. I was like, what is happening there? I think Idris Alba. Oh, he was in the spinoff. Idris Alba was in the spinoff, the right. Shops and Shots spinoff with The Rock and Jason Statham. Yeah, he was the villain in that one, yeah. right? Yeah. Which was like, I mean, it's, it was a piece of schlock garbage, but like, I had a ton of fun watching hmm. it. So, like, I highly recommend that movie also. Yeah, Charlize is in them. I mean, I'll watch Charlize. I hate Vin Diesel. I fucking hate Vin Diesel. That's so. you know, like that's the the problem is that like Vin Diesel is kind of annoying and like yeah, I really started watching them again when Dwayne came back in, obviously because like yeah. the biggest mark for the, the Rock on the planet. But yeah. I you mean, s- you simp for Dwayne. I get oh, it. I totally do. He's making another. Uh, there was another story about him making another video game movie. He's made three video game movies already. Hey, eh? because he made yeah. that. Rampage, and then Jumanji, which is technically a video game movie, and I don't think there actually is a video game. I don't know, yeah. either way. And he was in Doom. Remember when he was in Doom? <laughs> As if, I was, when he said that, I was like, dude, are they, do, are they making Doom 2? Are we going for it? Is he just like fucking pulling the band-aid off? He's like, no, I know that movie sucked. We're doing the sequel because now I'm going to make it awesome. I'd be fucking amazed if Dwayne was like, you know what, fuck this, I'm making Doom 2. I'm the Doom Slayer, and then Fuck it. R-rated. Let's do yeah, it. I would watch it. I would Dude, watch, watch it. it. Absolutely. I watched the first one. I've seen the first one like three times. It's terrible. Like, oh my god. Carl Urban. Baby Carl Urban and uh, Baby Rock. Oh, so good. Baby Baby Carl Urban he has, was in some weird shit when he was coming up as an actor. When oh, he man. played... Um, Oh, was you Cupid and Xena Warrior Princess? Yeah, oh yes, my he was, God. Dude. Yeah, man. Oh, and the fit they put him in? Yeah, oh. man, that man. That man suffered <sighs> for his art, you know? Like, suffered <laughs> for I his didn't. art. I mean, I don't know what else did. Yeah, he's a good dude. I, I yeah. got you. Either way, the Dwayne's coming for you one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like, he's, he's going to get you. Not yeah. Fast and Furious, though. In other sequels that probably don't need to happen but are going to anyway uh mortal kombat is getting a sequel we're getting a mortal kombat 2 now if only the improvement between mortal kombat the movie one and mortal kombat the movie two was as big as the improvement between mortal kombat and mortal kombat 2 that would be dope but i'm not holding my breath because that first movie (laughs) i'd rather go watch the original 1995 one again yeah i would say that the 1995 one was more watchable because it was sillier you know, Talk about Masters of, that Masters of the Universe list, Mortal Kombat 1995 is like right at the fucking top of that list. Like it's just the schlockiest schlock that ever schlocked. Yeah, but 
Oh god, it's silly. How watchable it is these days. Like I have no idea how it like holds together or whatever, but oh my god. Uh yeah, so that movie, I don't know. I mean I mean I know the first one did okay. And it was also yeah. like an early pandemic movie, was it not? Was it not one of the first ones that came out as HBO Max like streaming or something? It did. Yeah, I remember downloading it and then like it sat on my hard drive for the longest time and then I very distractedly kind of tried to watch it and I was like, this is I got like rip roaringly high one night and like watched it like just bait because like it's totally the kind of movie it's a chop sake like kung fu movie right yeah. i'm like this is get big and watch it so i did and was like it's terrible but like it's pretty gory so like go for it i guess mm-hmm. but i don't know uh, but they're making a second one so whoop you do i suppose yeah. speaking of making a second one and spoilers for boba fett actually ea's respawn has announced that they're making a finally getting around to doing the sequel to jedi fallen order so Star mm-hmm. Wars Jedi Fallen Order that came out for the Xbox One and PS4 last a couple years ago. They just put a patch out for it for PS5 and Series X. PC version looks real nice. Also, I can attest to you because I got it for 10 bucks recently. They are making a sequel to it. So I'm hoping his little droid that showed up in Boba Fett this week doesn't mean that he's dead and they're going to do something awful. And they've spoiled my video game for me because his mm-hmm. little droid showed up in this episode of Boba Fett. And I was like, what? Where's Cal? Wait, Cal didn't die at the end of my game. But that's his that's his droid. It's a cute little guy. I like his little droid. But mm-hmm. it's dope that they're uh, still I mean, it's not great that EA's making these games, but Fallen Order was a, a standout from a slate of games that was not ideal, I guess, from the EA Star Wars thing. But. When there's a, a a good Star Wars game, there's reason for celebration generally yeah. because they're for a franchise that has so much video game potential, it just never recently they used yeah. to have, they used to be great, right? Remember the old PC like Tie Fighter games and shit that were like dope as shit back in the nineties. Kotor, I yeah, mean, we've talked about it many times. But like, the, like recently, like they just can't get their shit. To, I mean, I mean, not that the movies are fucking great right now either. So maybe the video games are falling off. But the CV is good, so like I don't know. Uh, maybe uh, Star Wars is better in novel and TV format than other forms. Of, I mean, like that. But I think that it works. Just honestly, guess- it works perfectly as a video game. Honestly, I think the most fun I've had in Star Wars as a fan of Star Wars is playing some of the video games. Yeah, I mean, because like you get to live in that world. Yeah, and that's, exactly. That's the fun of Star Wars, I think. Yeah, is that, soaking like, in that world. Yeah, because a lot of the like story beats are so like by the numbers that it's not really like it's not really about the story per se. I mean, a lot of the lore is very interesting, but like lore is something that you develop slowly while you're marinating in that world. Yeah. And that's why these shows are so good, right? Like why we're enjoying like Mandalorian and Boba Fett and all this other shit. Cause you get to like sit in the world and like stew in it and also get like fed little bits of lore. And it's yeah. like, Oh, this is wow. Look at these guys learning how to like write these sci-fi shows. Good for you. John Favreau. Yeah. And then you get, yeah, like, so. uh, as the series progresses, you get to see, like, fucking awesome actors like Katie Sackhoff uh, end up being fan favorites like Bo-Katan and stuff like that. Or Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano. And you're just like, oh, my God, yes, absolutely. And you're all like, yay. All right. You can get, like, some fun surprises like Sasha Banks showing up out of nowhere. And killing and just it. Being, like, and killing it. I was like, that's fucking awesome for Mercedes to, like, just show up as a WWE person and, like, just kill it right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. They got a lot of people crossing over right now out of that uh that corner of the world. It's very More interesting. Power we talking, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If they, I mean, these people know how to perform in front of 20,000 people live, and they do yeah. stunt shows live in front of 20,000 people. 
I mean, the camera's not as intimidating, right? So yeah, es- escape the grasp of Vince McMahon. Get away from Vince and like go down the road that The Rock and Batista have obviously like sewn for you. And now John Cena, who has yeah. just like cut a swath through the entertainment industry the last couple of weeks, like you see how uh, apparently Hitman it, or not Hitman Hitman, fuck, that's a video game. Peacemaker, terrible DC comic from the nineties, also. Mm-hmm. But uh, Peacemaker, yeah, is like the most streamed show on. Any streaming service going on right now? So. I'm intrigued. And, like, uh, you know, John Cena started his movie run in, like, smaller bit parts. And I've seen him in, like, like a lot of comedies. Like, Trainwreck with Amy Schumer. Yeah. And that weird... Uh, what was it? Like, the hun- that Honeymoon yeah. movie yeah. was yeah. weird. But he was still... F- he's fucking hilarious. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't know. I'm, I'm all on board the John Cena train right now. So, whatever. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thunk you'd be on the John Cena train? I hated him when he was like back in the day, man. Like he was, he was the goody two shoes that all the kids liked. When I was like, I don't even watch wrestling anymore. Like I can't be bothered with it because he's the number one guy. He's goody two shoes kid boy. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I was the, I was a fan of the Rock. Rock mm-hmm. talked Rod, everybody. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just he worked blue. So that was. I mean, it's an, a difference in era, basically. But either yeah. way, all these wrestling guys killing it uh, as, as they kind of cross over into rest pop culture right so yeah awesome currently apple tv is going to have a godzilla spinoff series i think we've talked about this mm. but i mean i'm all for godzilla as a tv show i guess yeah assuming they actually have godzilla in the show and it's not just about people talking about godzilla that's uh, part of the problem with the movies right yeah it's like the movies are fun while godzilla is being godzilla but as soon as it's more about the people talking about Godzilla, then you're like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, just just show me Godzilla be Godzilla. Yeah, okay. I didn't pay you $15 to come sit in this movie theater to watch motherfuckers talk about Godzilla. Right. Let me suggest that, like, one of the great things about Godzilla and anything that's kaiju is, like, not the human parts. It's the monster brawl near the end. And that can get tiresome and needs to, like, be punctuated. There's got to be peaks and valleys in your script obviously and one of the best examples of that would be power rangers because they started off with like your like morality play of the day and then you like the conflict would escalate and then by the end you would have a big kaiju battle and that was perfect and that's i guess they must still be doing power rangers somewhere <laughs> right like, <is> that <laughs> they a- will always do power rangers there's always a sentai or a uh, Kamen Rider happening in Japan. Like, there's like 20 seasons of like oh, any of these things. It's just enough. that, right. you know, the last Power Rangers thing that was big in North America was the movie. The movie. And I mean, it was okay. It wasn't terrible. I mean, I. I wish that everyone was on Elizabeth Banks's level in that movie and just like well, really. I mean, Elizabeth <laughs> Banks is a fucking treasure. You know what I mean? Yes. I adore that also- movie. I don't know what the fuck she was on while she made that movie, but she was having a good time she and she was it. in an altered state. Yeah, she was like, I don't she, like she was not sober. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking shit. You know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. But like, oh, my God, she was acting like she was on some good shit. I mean, she, she was having a blast. If, so. she, if she was just trying to match the energy of the original Rita Repulsa. It, I, I mean, you were matching the energy of a dubbed Japanese actress, right? Yeah. Like that's After ten thousand years, I'm free. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so good. I don't know. I mean, like Godzilla. I have no idea how this show works. They did a sh- they got a cartoon of Godzilla after the 1998 movie that from the same studio that did Men in Black. Yeah, 
I but, barely remember that because I watched the Men in that original Men in Black cartoon was bomb. Yeah, yeah that so Men good. in Black show. Actually, people were talking about that not too long ago. Like, what happened to that show? And I was like, I mean, it just ended because Men in Black kind of ended, right? But yeah, um, that show was actually quite good because Men in Black Two happened and tanked oh, the franchise. Yeah, right. Do you remember how bad that but movie they made was? A third one. They made four of those movies somehow, and like only one that's watchable is the first one. Yeah. Right? Am I right? Yeah. yeah. Because Men in Black 2 was the same movie as Men in Black 1, and they just tried to use the exact same story beats for some reason. Yeah, without Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah. It was weird. I don't know. Either Very way, weird. I mean, yeah. Mission Impossible's next two films have been delayed again. These have been delayed a number of times as the course of the pandemic has run. So I'm just going to read right out of the thing because otherwise I'll fuck this up. So Tom Cruise-led Mission Impossible franchise have been delayed once again. Mission Impossible 7, originally scheduled for release in 2021. Sweet Jesus. Like, that was supposed to come out last year. <laughs> and it most recently scheduled to be out in September of 2022, has now been moved to July 14th, 2023. Mission Impossible 8, most recently scheduled for July 2023, will now open on June 28th, 2024. Yikes. Which... Wow. Yeah. These are the ones that Haley Steinfeld, or not Haley Steinfeld, Haley Atwell has joined. Uh-huh. So she will be the, I'm, I'm assuming, the love interest in these. I hope not. I hope she's the villain, but, you know, it's a Tom Cruise uh-huh. movie, so I'm not exactly holding my breath. But either way, I mean, I'm going to go see these because I love the Mission Impossible movies. They're dumb yeah. James Bondy action, so I'm on board. Yeah. I mean, I love that Haley Atwell's in it, but it would be cool if she had, like, a meteor Just make role. Her the lead. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Do that. Make her the lead. Give her a movie franchise. Jesus Christ. Fuck. I'd watch, watch her fucking do. I mean, I watched her on TV when she, they gave her, tried to give her a Marvel franchise she, and nobody watched it except for me. So well, I watched it too. And I was, you know, that's my favorite of all those shows. Like even well, I mean, I guess I can't really say that because early on that was, I, I, I never liked agents of shield, but I liked her show. Yeah, the same way. Like, I mean, cause I felt more. I mean, it felt more like what the Marvel shows are now. Actually, yeah, it, it was very much the precursor of what we're getting now because it felt more tied into the actual continuity versus like Daredevil and Jessica Jones, which were all. I mean, obviously, I'm a big fan of those shows as well. But I mean, I like the Mission Impossible movies, and I don't want to talk shit, but like Haley Atwell should be in fucking everything and should be the lead in way more stuff. Mm-hmm. Paramount, as they're moving their slate around, there was a set of animated movies that got moved around for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Transformers also. So a brand new animated Transformers movie has been given a July 19th, 2024, the actual release date. This is not the Beast Wars movie, like the live action one supposed to be coming out or that they've already, they're shooting now. This is a separate theatrical release. I don't know what it's going to be. They haven't actually told us anything yet, but that's fine. And then Seth Rogen has an animated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles project, which was, is now slated for August 4th. 2023. Also, Seth Rogen working on Ninja Turtles does not particularly fill me with any hope, but no, we can hope anyway. Yeah, the the Hasbro same with Masters of the Universe, the Hasbro Mattel, we're going to throw as many properties out live action and animated at the same time. It's a, it's a strategy. It's an interesting strategy because you're like hitting like more adult markets and kids markets at the same time, but it's like kind of confusing and you don't know where you want to like I, there's only so much hype that you can have for so many properties all at once right and I guess I don't know it just what project are you kind of not 
necessarily rooting for, but then you just kind of have to go limp and just kind of like watch them all. And then it's like too much. Eventually I just find some of this shit like boring. Like yeah. we've, we've done shows or like we've talked about reviewing shows and like you were part of those conversations where like we're watching a show and we're all like, Oh, this looks like something we should review. And then we all get about halfway through it. And we're like, you know what? I have nothing to say about this. It's fucking boring. Like, yeah. it, like it looked good, but it just became dial Tony. And unless yeah. it has something that ties into like, it doesn't, it ties into an existing thing, like a Marvel or a DC thing, which yeah. then it becomes like, okay, we're going to give this a negative review and have fun shit talking it. That's that. But like this other stuff is like, I don't, it's I inconsequential. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't, like, I just don't, I don't know. More news uh, out of the Transformers camp, weirdly. IDW, at the end of this year, will be losing the Transformers license in comics, also G.I. Joe. And they don't have an announcement yet. The rumor going around currently is they'll be ending up at uh, Skybound, so on image with Robert Kirkman's imprint. Mm. Robert, give me a call. I got Transformers ideas coming out, my plot hole for eternity. Like, I could literally write that book until the cows come home and my brother will help me. Yeah, absolutely. uh, And I'll draw it too. I draw good Transformers. Anyway, that sucks. I like the IDW Transformers stuff. Uh, I've always kind of dabbled in those Transformers comics. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't mind getting a new art team and new writing team either. Fresh fresh eyes, this, that, and the other thing. It's just sad losing the continuity, basically. And that was like two comic book continuities that I can't touch. They can't touch anymore. Like the Marvel, the old Marvel stuff, and now like the IDW stuff. All the Dreamwave stuff, I guess. This is yeah. the third one. Yeah, so now that we'll just have like a new fresh start at Skybound, I guess, in twenty twenty three. Hopefully, anyway. But again, give me a call. I will totally do that book. Yeah, hundred percent. Just a little rumor stuff. Uh, Star Trek Picard apparently is ending after season three, but nobody's actually sure. Patrick Stewart has said he's not doing any more after that, but the showrunners are not coming and hawing. I, I don't care. I, I should should have it should have ended after season one because season one was. Fucking garbage. It uh, was 100%. terrible. It yeah. was trash. Uh, yep. Yeah. And I sincerely doubt season two is going to be much better. And that's imminent. Like, it's kind of like on the schedule. We talked about it like last week, I think. Uh-huh. The Star Trek schedule for the new year is just like nonstop Trek from now to like sometime in June. And we don't get to Strange New Worlds till May. So it's just like all the other shows and then Strange New Worlds. Mm. Great. Make me wait for the one I'm looking forward to. There was an announcement this week that the Halo TV show is set in an alternate timeline from the games so it's not going to be follow the story of the games 100% this is probably a preemptive attempt to get the fanboys to shut the fuck up when the show deviates from the plot of the video games as it will inevitably do because the format is different and you're telling a story in a different format mm-hmm. you can't tell the same story that you told in the video game in a fucking TV show and make it good but you know you can't tell fanboys that so they are explicitly saying that with this. This is them basically saying, fuck you. Don't whine about the timeline shit being different. It's a separate timeline. So that yeah. we can make a TV show. <laughs> like, that's I, the world we live in, you know? And I, I gross about it, but like, it, I'm part of the problem. So there you go. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, we've. <laughs> and I'm going to watch the shit, this Halo show. You know, you're going to watch this Halo shows. It's going to be expensive and it's going to be action packed. It's going to be fun. We like, we had this conversation a lot about adaptation, especially with things like um, always 
yeah, but uh, for video games specifically, Resident Evil and mm. Castlevania. And have you watched the new Resident Evil? Sorry, I have like total tangent. Not, no. no? I, okay. oof, I that who I don't know about that. <laughs> I know it's a reboot, so mm-hmm. like I, well, I because apparently it's more like true to the video game story, and I'm like. I want to see it now, kind of because of that, but I've yeah. downloaded it and it's on my hard drive, and I'm like, I can't bring myself to fucking watch it. Because so. we, that's, that was the thing about the original Resident Evil movies. It was like, why are you fucking with something? None of it, yeah, none of it tracks with the fucking games, like, at all. Like, yeah. you know, Umbrella's in there and they talk about Wesker and stuff eventually. Eventually. Like, I mean, it gets Mila there. is just there. And, like, is a character that has no ties to the game franchise, as far as I'm aware. I mean, maybe later in the game franchise she does. But like, I don't think so. Lost. I don't think I she's lost since I played four, four or six or five or six. I should say. I know she's not in any of the original four. Those are games that I know very well. Yeah, like yeah, one yeah, four. No, no, no. I don't but think like, they ever like brought that character into the video game pool. Like Alice think. or whatever her name is. Either way, I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Video game, video game adaptations. I mean, fuck that Uncharted movie comes out like this week, and like nobody oh, gives yeah. shit. No, because I don't care. I feel bad for Tom Holland because he's going to have a huge bomb on his hands. He just had the most profitable movie of the year, and he's going to have the first bomb of 2022 on his hands, too. Maybe. Right? I mean, we, Maybe. I, we, we've been wrong before about this kind That's of true. thing. I mean, like, like... I just don't... I have no... I was looking at the subreddit the other day because they just released... They re-released Uncharted 4 and Lost Legacy for PS5, and, like, it's a paid upgrade kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're making me pay 10 bucks to get the fucking 60 frames patch. Fucking... I swear to God, Sony, like you're gonna lose this generation <laughs> because of shit like that yeah. and the moves that Microsoft's making right now. Like Microsoft's just giving shit away. <laughs> you're trying to nickel and dime me for an upgrade. Come on, like get your shit together. I love my PS5, but like my Series X is awesome, also. So there mm-hmm. you go. But yeah, that Uncharted movie just like I have. I mean, as soon as you cast Mark Wahlberg, I'm out. Right? Like, remember they cast him in the Transformers movie? I was suicidal for a fucking month. And I knew that was going to be bad. So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Mark, Mark Wahlberg, just the worst. Just he's terrible. The worst. He's like, he's on, he's of a caliber alongside Vin Diesel. You know, like they yes. belong together. Yeah. Like, actually, not even like. I mean, Vin Diesel's a fellow nerd at the very least. Like Mark Wahlberg, just a meathead piece of shit. Yeah, Mark yeah, Wahlberg so. seems to have like a real like disdain for. The shit he makes. It seems like yeah. every movie he's in, he doesn't want to be in that movie. Like he hates yeah. what he's making, but he's making millions of dollars. With it, but he just well, doesn't he, give a shit. He used to be know. like he used to be in like films, you know. Like sure, fear what? happened, but he was in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. Boogie Nights is one of like yeah, I guess yeah, you know. Yeah, but like he's, I wonder if he thought he was really going to be like an actor. You know what I mean? Like he's not particularly <laughs> good actor, right? Like no, he's, he's, he's very one note. He's a very one note actor. Yeah. Either way, I just don't. I don't know that Uncharted movies got me like my. I, I'll watch it eventually because I love watching a train wreck. Right. Mm. I wonder. Let me. Let's, I was somewhat of a defender of the Alicia Vikander uh, Tomb Raider film a little I didn't bit. That I, movie. I thought I that it. it like it had some pacing problems, but overall, it was pretty good for what it was. The problem was that they were just trying to tell the story of the 2013 reboot. Like that was yeah. very much like just that game again. I was like, and okay. I wonder if people are going to be more or less forgiving of Uncharted than they were with Tomb Raider. I'm curious to see how that's going to pan out. I'm going to... It'll be less because of Mark Wahlberg. 
Like yeah. Mark Wahlberg is kind of like loathed in our circles at this point. I think, I think that you know he I mean? is kind of a poison pill at this point, and they only included him because he was originally going to be Nate, right? Like, yes, wasn't that right. the whole thing? Yeah. Is that this movie has been in development hell for a decade and a half or yeah. something? I don't know. I just I, and I saw my other problem is like I don't see Tom Holland as a Nathan Drake type character. No, either. no, me no. neither. I and I we I think we're both Tom Holland. I'm a big defenders. Tom Holland fan. Yeah, but like I played all the Uncharted games. I love the Uncharted games, but he's a little bit more. I mean, who you really want is basically you want Harrison Ford from the Indiana Jones movies to play Nathan Drake. You want uh, in his prime Nathan Fillion. Yeah, like he's got to be quippy, a little shifty, a little shifty though. But he's got and like Tom Holland does has no shiftiness to me. You know what I mean? That's my yeah. problem is he doesn't look like a scumbag. Nathan Drake's a little bit of a scumbag. So, yeah. And Tom Holland's physicality, like Nate Drake needs to be a little bit more uh, college football player, you know, like he's a little bit more athletic, like Tom Holland obviously is in very great shape, but he's more gymnast swimmer build, like just the physicality of it seems wrong to me. And I know Mm -hmm. that Tom Holland is like huge and whatever, like for his frame, he's a Marvel actor. He's He's cut, but like if you put him next to like a guy who actually has that frame, like oh I don't know, a Chris Hemsworth or a Chris Evans, both of whom look like linebackers when they're in their like superhero shredded like size (laughs) in their cable knit sweaters, trying to hide their size. I mean, looks like a fucking house when he's walking around like as Thor. You know what I mean? Like him and Cavill just look like big fucking tanks when they're all jacked up for movies. It's crazy, and so Holland's just not that guy. And I kind of want, I don't see, he doesn't need to be that big, but I want him to be like Chris Evans when he's walking around size, I guess, you know, like not, he doesn't need to be cap size, but yeah. he, like when he's walking around size, yeah. I guess is kind of what I'm looking for. I, not, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about because like Tom, uh, Tom Holland's frame just seems a little bit more like lean and yeah. Well, he's just shorter too, life. right? Like yeah, he's, short, he's a yeah. smaller guy too, right? Like in like a Hemsworth is like a six foot three, six foot four. Like. Just gonna need some, you know, Tom Cruise camera magicry to hide his five four or whatever. <laughs> That's know. funny. They actually kind of recast Tom Cruise. You know, he was in those Jack Reacher movies, right? Like that series of yeah. books. Yeah. And they just recast him with the guy who was Minka Kelly's partner in Titans, that big blonde hossy dude. I don't, I don't know. know. Did you watch Titans? Either way. No, no. Because you told me not to, basically. No, I, yeah, I wouldn't I would never recommend it. But he was in the first season of that show and he was he was Minka Kelly's partner in that. But he's a uh, big guy and he's playing Jack Reacher now in an Amazon Prime show. And I was like, Oh, that's that makes more sense than Tom Cruise. Because I remember reading the first book, Dad had given it to me or Mama gave it to me. And I was reading it and I'm like, wait, this is supposed Tom Cruise is supposed to be playing this guy? They describe him as like a six foot five ex football player, <laughs> military policeman, or something like that. So he's supposed to be my size, like six foot five, built like the rock. And like they had Tom Cruise playing him. I'm like, yeah, yeah. this makes sense to me. Whereas this new guy, like he's six foot five, built like a superhero. I'm like, okay, this makes more sense. Either Alan way, Richardson. I knew, oh, he plays yeah. Lost in the Hunger Games. Okay, I know. There you go. I yeah. remember this guy. But yeah, he is. Dude, right? Yeah. So, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Kristen Crooks in that show, too. There's oh. a weird tie back into our little world. Yeah. And Nexium, I guess. I wish she quit, but, you know, she was still in the cult. Anyway, yes. it's Geek of the Week time. Geek of the Week. So this is the segment where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. It doesn't include watching Clue, apparently. Paul, oh. eh. well, right. what's the nerdiest thing you did this week? Well, y- you know, Pokemon Legends Arceus oh, came out this Lord. week. 
Yeah, that was a lot of controversy about that game this week, too. Let me just say that I was waiting for critic reviews before I bought it. So I that's a that's a good idea. Yeah. And the critic reviews were generally pretty glowing. And that being said, like there was nowhere to go but up with Pokemon Sword and Shield, even though a lot of including Kotaku, who I usually trust, were big defenders of this very unfinished, shitty Pokemon game that I will continue to talk shit about till the end of time in spite of the fact that there are still supporters of Gen 8 in general. Pokemon Legends Arceus has the same problem in that it feels unfinished, but the ideas are good. It's not just a retread of previous ideas. They actually like improve the battle system and the gameplay mechanics and everything feels new and fresh, but it looks kind of like dog shit. Like when you first... That's an inten- I mean... We, there's been a lot of conversations recently about the Switch's hardware, period. Yeah. Needing to just be like, it's time to go, guys. We are at, like, that hardware was dated when it came out at the beginning of the PS, the end of the PS3 era, that hardware yeah. was dated. Yeah. We are now entering an era of the fucking fifth PlayStation, and, like, they are not pulling their punches at the graphical fidelity we are getting now. We are getting 60 frames, 4K good-looking games, and that Switch, is, that Switch hardware is like, starting to age yeah. horrifically. And I hate to belabor the Breath of the Wild point with Pokemon, but... 15 frames a second? It, well, the problem with Pokemon is, again, its development cycles have to be so short because they need to release something every year because yeah. of the, the, what, that's what the Pokemon company does because they have to release card games and anime and everything that goes along with it. And so it makes for games that are going to be unfinished and look shitty. And so that's what we got. Like when you first pan into the, your main village hub, and this is a monster hunter style game. Everyone was like, Oh, it's open world. It is not. It is a like sectioned off monster, monster hile. You're deployed into a particular region of the map. When you go in, have you tried that? Speaking of Monster Hunter, have you ever played any of the more oh, recent yeah. ones? I, I like Monster Hunter. I have Mon- I had Monster Hunter for my 3DS. I haven't played the Switch one, but I played it like a, was it a demo or maybe I played it somewhere like in a store or something. And I, I like Monster, Monster Hunter World was a big deal last gen, I think, on PS4 yeah. or Xbox. Yeah. Like it, that game was popular for a couple like months or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Monster Hunter is always going to sell really well, just like Pokemon will, because the Japanese market fucking loves Monster Hunter. And so this is Monster Hunter Pokemon, and it's there are good ideas in it, but like you, you, you just kind of think if they had multiple years to make this game, this game would have been fucking incredible, but they had to rush it out. Like, this could have been Breath of the Pokemon, this gives me more hope for the direction of the Pokemon franchise than Pokemon Sword and Shield did, because that was just a bullshit, like, retread cash grab. Um, and this is at least pushing the ideas and changing the gameplay so significantly that the battles feel snappy and fun, and there are a lot of different mechanics at play. Like, you're you're doing stealth while you're doing the Pokemon battling, so you can catch other po- There's, like, a lot of fun stuff going on. So I'm into it. I'm just like, oh man, I wish, like, I can see where there's so much more potential and they are, I feel like it's never going to get there because of the development cycles for Pokemon games, which is disappointing. But 
that was my geek of the week is that I bit the bullet on it. And I think I'm like happy with my purchase. I'm just like, oh man, I, I see so much more potential and it's just never going to get there. You yeah, know? Yeah. Well, okay. what was your geek? I'm watching Battlestar Galactica again. I it came across my radar as I was like flipping through Amazon prime looking for something to watch. And uh, I hadn't seen it since it finale. Because I was very disappointed with the end of that show, right? That, mm. That's something you and I have discussed before. Yes. On podcasts before, we're like, I loved Battlestar when it was on, but it, the ending was so disappointing. I don't think I ever rewatched the show. It's weird how that happened. It, like in, but still, Battlestar Galactica is looked upon more fondly than Game of Thrones, which has the same problem. I, I think the problem was like Game of Thrones. To a lot of people, had started to jump the shark way earlier on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Season Whereas five. like Battlestar really only shit the bed in that last season and then it ended so it was and like the i'm i'll go on fucking record and saying like i'm just at the point where they're about to land on like i guess new earth or whatever it is like they're you know where they land for a little while on a planet i can't remember what that what that story arc is they've got pegasus basically is where i'm at right now yeah like we're after we're post the pegasus storyline like they killed michelle forbes character and stuff is where i'm at spoilers sorry for a fucking 10 year 15 year old show 20 year old show actually at this point so i'm but i'm still I'm, I'm in the best part of it right now i'm like man this is the fucking this show is still really good it's obviously it's aged a lot mm-hmm. like the special effects and stuff or did not hold together as well as i thought they would like that kind of stuff mm-hmm. the sets are not great you can tell none of these actors ever went to get training to hold a gun ever and like i'm super spoiled by that kind of shit now like in the john wick era where like keanu reeves goes and does like spec ops training for six months before he shoots a movie and like like handles a gun like a that you're a proper gun handling person should mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And it just really takes it out of, out of there when like you got Kara Thrace who I love, right? Like I love, I can't remember. I never remember her name though. Katie Sackhoff. Katie Sackhoff. I always just want to call her Kara Thrace. I just want to call her Starbuck, right? Cause Starbuck, that's her. Yeah. yeah. That's who she is. Yeah. But Starbuck does these weird, like, like girl holding a gun for the first time. Things were like bent elbow pointing at like, you know, like when you get a gun and you don't know how to hold it. Yeah. And you're just kind of pointing at people with your bent elbow and like willy nilly and you're using your wrist to point. And you can tell she's never held a gun properly, even though she's supposed to be like a badass dyed in a wolf fucking pilot soldier. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, this is still TV. eh? (laughs) Like you still have that kind of stuff going on. But overall, like Edward James almost is still like just an amazingly fucking talented actor and watchable actor. And oh my God, I can't remember her name now. The woman who plays the, the president. Is quite good also. Mary McDonald. Mary McDonald, yeah. And then like James Callis. I forgot how much I liked Baltar. Oh like, yeah. From the, the reboot show. Like I like I don't know. I just like that. I like that actor. James Callis, obviously he's Alucard in the Netflix Castlevania shows. Mm-hmm. Uh actually follows me on Instagram. He's a nice guy. He's a nice man. Like I keep drawing Alucard. Do <laughs> 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 so you ever gonna draw me? And I'm like, no, I'll draw your character though. And then I was like, wait, you were guys Baltar, you're definitely getting one eventually i will do that print someday yeah absolutely gonna do that battlestar print at some point because now i'm working on it because it's 20th anniversary will be 2003 which is obviously coming up we're in 2022 so yeah that was my geek of the week because like, i've been watching battlestar galactica the last couple of weeks while i've been working it still holds up obviously i was in the mood for it after the expanse like i was in the mood for some hard sci-fi kind of stuff after expanse and uh it's it's scratching the itch Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's scratching the itch enough that when it's done, I'm not going to go end up watching Deep Space Nine for the 900th time again. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I'll probably be watching. I'll be on my deathbed. Like I can live to 150 and be on my deathbed and still be like, you know what? 
going to watch Deep Space Nine one more time before I go. <laughs> yeah. And I probably will. So there's that. Either yeah. way, that's it for my Geek of the Week this week. Let's move on to Meat of the Episode. Meat of the Episode. Colonel Meat in the Meat with the Meat. No, man. You, you, you put the meat, you put the mustard on the meat. Oh, yeah. There's Colonel a Colonel Mustard. Gets his with, meat bashed in, basically, with a wrench or something. I don't know. In the abattoir? Sure. Because I'm meat. on board. I don't know. Sure. So, we have, like, Tim's away, and Paul and I just like to fuck about on this podcast more than do anything serious. Yeah. There's 30 of you listening. We don't, it doesn't matter. Um, so, we watched Clue this week because we wanted to watch something kind of fun. So, this is 1985's Clue. So, this is directed by Jonathan Lynn. Uh, and produced with a story written by Jonathan Landis or John Landis and Jonathan Lynn and produced by John Landis, which is interesting. We always get into these problematic 80s figures when we do these flashbacks, eh? Yeah. Old John Landis. At least it's not his son. Yeah. John Landis is a piece of shit, but his son is... Max Landis? <laughs> garbage? Yeah. Just a garbage human being spawned by another garbage human being, apparently. But who makes quite funny movies. So yeah, we watched Clue, a 1985 comedy starring everybody, basically. No, yeah. not really. Eileen Brennan, Tim Curry, Madeline Kahn, Christopher Lloyd, Michael McKean, Martin Hall, and Leslie Ann Warren star in this movie, along with a couple other people, I think, right? Colleen Camp, Lee Ving, uh, Bill Henderson, just a bunch of... <laughs> Kelly yeah. Nakahara of MASH fame is also the cook. I yeah. was trying to remember where I, I was like, I recognize that woman. Like, so bad. Like, where is she from? I have to look her up. She was from MASH. She starred in 167 episodes of MASH as a mm-hmm. beat character and had, like, three scenes with Hawkeye. Yeah. But yeah, I recognize her from that. This movie, uh, so, yeah, this is, like, this like a classic movie, right? Like, I don't know if it's yeah. a, like a cult classic. So, the story behind Clue is that this was a movie that was in a concept in search of a director and writer for a really long time. Like one of the producers was like, I want to make this movie based on this game because I think it's going to be such a good movie. And they found it's it's, it's produced by Peter Goober and John Peters. Goober Goober is the one who like sold Lynn on making this film. Now these are the guys who also produce like Batman and stuff like that, like the John John Peters and Peter Gruber. Like are the are they that's that team, right? Like I they did so, all the yeah. different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. Like interesting. big Hollywood big wigs. So they thought that they they well, really one of them, had one, an idea. And like one of them, if I'm not mistaken, one of them was Barbara Streisand's hairdresser, right? Like that's is that John Peter or Peter? Is that one of them? Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe that's the wrong guy. Mm, maybe. But I, I'm pretty sure that's that. Team. Either way, let's yeah. move on. Sorry. Yeah, but yeah. This movie's got a huge cult following. Yeah. And it was a flop and a half when it first yeah, came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I would, yeah. I would have been pissed after I walked out of this movie yeah. the first time and didn't really know what I was getting into. Well, especially because that second act just kind of like drags. Yeah. Like there's some like weird, there's some weirdness to this movie. Yeah. So anyway, this movie is a little bit weird, and this movie was marketed on the gimmick of having three different endings yeah. that you, and you didn't know which one you were going to get based on the theater that you went to and which screening you happened to go to. So if you, even if you went to see the movie again, somewhere, you wouldn't know which ending you were going to get. So you might just end up seeing the same ending again. And yeah. this baffled people and just created this barrier of entry that people just didn't want to deal with. 
and so home video, but it became like a, 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 a thing on home video. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, it did. Eventually it became like a, one of a midnight screening cult classic in the same yeah. way that Rocky Horror did. Weird that Tim Curry is the star of both of those things, but hey. Tim Curry is just like that guy, though, he's right? Just like that he's that guy. Been, yeah. I mean, Madeline Kahn, Madeline Kahn, not exactly not that lady either, right? Like, she's very much like a, uh, I mean, we just talked about her. We did Blazing Saddles not so long ago, right? Like, right. she was a, uh, Mel, I can't remember Mel Brooks's name for some reason in my old age, my dotage. Uh, no, Mel Brooks, he's a, she's a Mel Brooks lady, right? Like, yeah. So she's, I mean, that's, Comedy fucking legend Mel Brooks and Madeline. I mean, Madeline Kahn on is her own. Con- yeah, comedy legend in her own right. Yeah, um, like doesn't even need to be associated with anybody else. She may be one of the funniest women who's ever been alive. Like, she's oh my so god, fucking good. I that just to go off of that Blazing Saddles scene where she's like oh doing her god. best Marlena Dietrich um, impersonation. It's I we never were, like we we died when we were talking about it. I was like, she's so fucking funny in this scene. And then she's in Young Frankenstein too, and she's so fucking good in Young Frankenstein. That's a Halloween movie we'll be doing probably, like at some point. It's Young Frankenstein. It put, I want, I want to be on that episode. I Absolute need to be on that episode. Fucking favorite Gene Wilder. Out of like, I love Gene Wilder performances, like left, right, and center. But like one of my favorite Gene Wilder performances. The the salt the salt of the earth. You oh. know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in fucking Blazing Saddles. In Blazing Saddles. Oh my uh... god. He's so good at placing. I mean, that's what we yeah. talked about. Basically, the entire movie was just those two guys. Yeah. Just riffing. I was like, oh, dude. Yeah. Give me that fucking, give me that Wilder right in the fucking veins. He's yeah. like the comedy master. So speaking um, of casting in this movie, I want to talk oh, yeah. a little bit about the well, casting look, of this film. Before we do that, you little bastard, you okay. got to tell me what the plot of this mess is. <laughs> like, let's let's run, me, let's run the, the people through the story of Clue. Okay. So I know you're prepared for this. So. Of course, because I've seen this movie many times. So yes. um, yeah. So the story of Clue is that a group of it's a people. Game, first of all, yeah, it is based on the board game, also <laughs> yeah. known as Cluedo in yeah. England in the UK. I think for South, I thought it was like Cluedo. South America. Was it not South America? It was Cluedo. That sounds like uh, a Spanish uh, translation. Thing. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Hands up. I don't know, boys. Yeah, we're French, you know. so we open on a spooky mansion and people are driving to the mansion and there are people arriving who have received a mysterious invitation that tells them that they're not supposed to be known by anything other than the alias listed in the letter and so we get six people coming in we have colonel mustard played by martin mall we have mrs white played by madeline Kahn. we have uh, Mrs. Peacock, played by Eileen Brennan. We have Michael McKean playing Mr. Green. We have oh, Michael McKean, just so good, so good. Yeah, uh, Leslie Ann Warren as Miss Scarlet. Interesting Amazing. note on this casting, which we will talk yeah. about in a second. Yep. And Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum. And they are all brought in like the, the best fucking casting. Like Christopher Lloyd alone makes this movie worth watching. Oh my hundred fucking times. He is. Unbelievably good. I mean, he. I like, I've blown Christopher Lloyd a lot on this podcast. We did Back yeah. to the Future. I will. We will eventually do Star Trek Three. Well, I will tell you why he's the best Klingon that has ever Klingon. Yeah. But like, goddamn, is he fucking? He's such a lech. Yeah. He's, so he's such good a in this. in this movie. Oh. It's so good. And, and the then, eyebrows just working full fucking time. You know what yeah. I mean? Those eyebrows are working like 
those eyebrows worked me like a fucking seven year old at my first wrestling show. Yeah. Like they were nuts. He's so yeah. good. Anyway. And, yeah. So they're all brought together into this mansion and are being herded along by the butler Wadsworth played by the incomparable Tim Curry, um, who's so good in this movie, (laughs) just endlessly entertaining. And so they're, they are all, all of these six people are being blackmailed and that's why they have come to this, this mansion, even though they don't know that yet, they have a very uncomfortable dinner where one-liners are being shot across the table at blinding speed, which is one of the best parts of this movie. It's the best part. The best part of this movie is the dialogue that is exchanged at a, yeah, like warp speed. So much so that like I was rewinding it to like just catch bits because some of them were like, I was like, wait, did they really say that? Okay. Oh, they did. Yep. 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 They did. Yeah. This is so good. And so they're, yeah, so they're going through all their repartee and then they realize that one person is missing from the dinner table, the dinner table. Um, <laughs> and that is our final guest, Mr. Body, who is played by Lee Ving, who is like in a band. And I guess he was like the only, the only weird casting in all of this is Lee Ving, I think. Anyway. Yeah, he's the only one that stands out from like the rest of the cast who are like, a bunch of like comedy legends basically yeah yeah so. so they go into the study and they reveal that each one of these people is being blackmailed except for mr body he is the blackmailer and then once we find out how each character is being blackmailed they each get handed a gift by mr body the very iconic murder weapons from the board game the rope the, the knife, wrench, lead pipe, revolver, and candlestick, candlestick. The candlestick. And so they each get a murder weapon. The lights go out. Bang, boom, bam, 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 bam. The lights go back on, and Mr. Body has been murdered. Or so they think. Yeah. And so the ensuing madcapness that happens, I'm not going to go through each story beat because I'll end up being as breathless as Tim Curry by the end of the movie. Yeah, for sure. Oh my god. Love that final act. But as they try to figure out who killed who and how and why, other people start arriving at the mansion and they also get murdered off as the, the main six plus Wadsworth are trying to figure out what happened. And so the murders, the dead bodies keep piling up and as they try to unravel the mystery and it just gets more and more complicated and weird as they go along. And then suddenly Wadsworth figures it all out and he has his Hercule Poirot moment, his Sherlock Holmes moment is I figured it out. And now I'm going to tell you how all the murders happened. And then we get three different endings as to what possibly could have happened or four different endings, depending on like which version of the thing you've downloaded, whatever it's like. Yeah. Anyway. So that's the basic plot. Um, And like, let's go go through these endings, right? So like at the ending, there's, there's, because like, it's kind of a big deal to have these three different endings. So like ending a, the maid Yvette murdered the cook. And Mr. Body on orders from Miss Scarlet because yeah. she once worked for Miss Scarlet as a car call girl. And the whole point of Miss Scarlet character is that she, everybody's being blackmailed, and as is she, but she's being blackmailed for being a madam, mm-hmm. and she's not particularly like upset by this blackmail. Yeah. As in this version of it, 
basically means she set the whole thing up because she doesn't care one way or the other and is blackmailing them all with this information regardless because that's what she's really there like most madams when they play them up in these kind of things is the first thing they do is like they have all the information and start blackmailing people. Yeah, so that's this story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and um, then the- it, it turns out Wadsworth is actually an FBI agent in this, and he turned like he whatever arrests her. Yeah, right. Takes her down. Yeah, and, and then, then the police uh, chief shows up. And when they ask about her motivations, they're like, are you a communist? And like, no, communism is a red herring, which is a <laughs> one yeah. of my favorite running gags for these endings. Yeah. And then, yeah, so that's ending A. Ending B is Mrs. Peacock, the least yeah. likely, because she's the older lady, the more... Uh, the woman kind of more too. Like, she's not the most, like, with it, kind of, yeah. like... She always seems to be like a couple steps behind everybody else. Yes, oh, but she, maybe she isn't. Yeah, she she ends up being the mastermind for ending B, and she, being the wife of the senator, is trying to, like, I guess, protect her husband's legacy and blackmail everyone, and you know, yeah. and it's probably the least enjoyable ending but at the same time gives eileen brennan some uh room to maneuver which she absolutely deserves because she's fucking hilarious too yeah she's good in the movie too she's she's always she's playing that like kind of mousy older woman in the group and like yeah so she's playing that shtick when they let her when they give her levels just where she really shines and then the final one is my favorite because it has like one of the best lines in the whole movie and we find out that Wadsworth is actually Mr. Body, and yeah. he's been blackmailing everybody. And Mr. Green turns out to be uh, the he's good guy fan. after all. He didn't do it, he said a million times. And instead of being a closet homosexual, he's won the day and is going to go home to sleep with his wife, which is fucking great such a yeah the, the entire movie culminating on the best no homo ever is just chef's kiss beautiful yeah. so yeah. yeah and that in that version all five of them performed one of the murders yeah well plus mr body who was tim curry who was wadworth also did a murder and so all six of them or five of the five of, of the colored yeah, yes. Colored guests. Oh, God. Uh, wrong, wrong terminology. Guests uh, uh, representing a particular color coded guests ended up getting arrested. Wadsworth slash Mr. Body is killed by Mr. Green, and Mr. Green yep. is heterosexual, actually. And so everyone gets a happy ending, I guess. So, the movie is set in the 1950s, so like. Oh, the good guy can't be a gay man. Paul. Yeah, that's well, just not that's allowed. Just, I think that would probably be against the Hayes Code, although the Hayes Code at that point was still kind of it was starting to go out of fashion, I guess. Anyway, I mean, but it was in the eighties. They'll have a new one moved. by next yeah. year, anyway. So, uh, well, yeah. Anyway, so that's Clue. It sounds pretty like a straightforward whodunit until you get into the endings. But even while it's kind of unraveling, it's really meant to be a madcap caper the movie is to call it deranged makes it seem more like serious than it actually is this movie is bananas and coconuts like it's just yeah this 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 movie is like a like a cocaine fueled fever dream yeah almost you know what i mean like it's 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 a lot is what it is actually i really enjoy i hadn't seen this movie since like i was a kid like I'm sure it was something like you probably made us watch a couple times, and like I just, you know, I was fine with it. 
<laughs> watching it as an adult now, man, those one-liners, they come fast and they come furious and they are filthy in some spots. Yeah. So, uh, I like I had a really good time with it. I don't think it's like the best movie. It definitely has some like second act drag like crazy. It feels a lot longer than its uh, 90 whatever minute runtime. I guess yeah. 97 minutes total or something like that. But like I had an excellent time watching it just mm-hmm. because like, you know, 90 minutes, there's some like just stellar casting and like comedy performances that are going on here. Like, I can't say like Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, Madeline Kahn, and I mean, Martin Mull's pretty good. Yeah. But, like Leslie Ann Warren rocks it and Michael McKean's fucking hilarious like yeah. all the time. Right. So it's just like, it's so well made. Yeah. Cause even the, the even the maid is fucking funny. Like oh, the Colleen, four yeah. lines that they give her. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she's she's really good. Um, God, I, before we hone in on individual performances, which I want to do, I want to talk about alternate casting that could have been. So yeah, this is like a, this is like one of those trivia podcasts. Now, yeah. Right? Now. All right. So originally they were looking at someone else before Tim Curry. Now, before, yeah. yeah, it wasn't, it was an old British actor before Tim Curry, but after they were looked, I think it was Leonard Rossiter, who was in Oliver, exclamation point, and Barry Lyndon. Um, after that, they were think- looking at Rowan Atkinson. Okay, Rowan Atkinson's the name I saw on TV tropes when I was flipping around, and I was like, that yeah. would have been interesting, but he wasn't particularly, he was, was he on Death Adder by then? Yeah, he was or on Black, Black Adder. Yeah. Better by then? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why that's why they were looking at him because he mm. was r- killing it on Black Adder. God, that, that I mean that shit. That show is still fucking hilarious. Yeah, way too funny. So they but they landed on Tim Curry and cuz he had like he has the gravitas to pull it off like he just has that voice, you know, that voice. And Miss Scarlet was originally going to be played by the late great Carrie Fisher, but she was in rehab. So they oh, could just going to rehab. <laughs> yeah, that's going right. To rehab. Yeah, she, that's right. Um, yeah, and they were like, "Oh, don't worry, Carrie can come shoot during the day and just has to go back to rehab by night." That's not how rehab works, guys. So, like, no, um, no. yeah, especially if you're going well, on, in, L- in LA, you don't know. We don't know. Yeah, well, I'm not rich and famous like Carrie Fisher. You know, like yeah. But I, I imagine what I love Leslie Ann Warren, and I think she she oh, yeah. was she rocked, knocked it out of the park as Miss Scarlet. But like, yeah. I do wonder what could have been if Carrie Fisher had been in this role. She would have been like, uh, actually, no, no, she, I was going to say she would have played a baby. But no, nineteen eighty five. This is like that's post uh, Jedi. So yeah, post Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. I think I can't actually picture it for some reason. Either way, I think I like Leslie Ann Warren in this, so I was fine with it. Yeah, I feel like Carrie would have been a little bit less bubbly. Like Leslie Ann Warren has an effervescence to her uh, yeah. when she's like when she gets yeah, excited. So does, so does Carrie Fisher on camera, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, she's got kind of like an energy to her. I don't know. I mean, it's like different kind of the energy. Other. I understand. Yeah. I understand yeah. why you would. I mean, I would understand why you would want to go with Carrie Fisher in 1985. Also, yeah, yeah, like, absolutely. The world was lusting after her still, so that yeah. makes sense for ticket sales. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so we were mentioning Christopher Lloyd as Professor Plum. Professor Plum is a psychiatrist who works for the World Health Organization who was boning his patients slash students. And he plays a full-on lech the entire time, groping and... Anything, anybody that he can hit on, he hits on. Anytime... uh 
an opportunity arises for an entendre, he is going to take it. Yeah. If he can put his hands on something where he shouldn't, he's probably going to do it. He is super inappropriate the entire movie, but he is the most fucking fun to watch. Yeah. Because Christopher Lloyd and like Christopher Lloyd's fucking madcap genius with the shit. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I was, he was the one that I was like, oh, I'm going to be watching him the most, I think. And watching, because I like watching Christopher Lloyd. I like watching reactions, right? Like the way mm-hmm. other people react, like in the scene. Yeah. Like he gives, just gives the best shit back to like stuff. Like his reaction shots. Yeah. Are like Hollywood legend. Like he's so good at giving the, the hot take reaction shot to a comedy beat because mm-hmm. it's all eyebrows and eyebrows. eyes right like oh he's yeah. so good at it and so yeah when he my favorite reaction of his is when he finds out that he actually killed the butler rather than mr body himself and he says aw shucks it's yeah. just like the the delivery on that aw shucks which i think is dubbed over because it sounds like he should have been saying aw shit aw shit but, he's got a couple lines where it sounds like or it looks like he should be or just like from the performance it looks like he'd be going harder with the language than he actually is and then it looks like it was dubbed over yeah Um, one one of the reasons why this movie persisted so much is because it doesn't have any naughty language and everything exists in double entendre yeah Yeah. and the the violence is cartoonish at best it got played a lot on cable so it became one of those one of those movies where because you can see it well that's where we saw it i would imagine was probably like watching tbs or something like that on a saturday probably recorded it on vhs at some point i don't know but either way or we rented it now i remember where we saw it movie picks one of those ones that was playing like late night movie picks and you and i were sitting there watching and you were like have you ever seen this and I was like, yeah. no. And you were like, we're watching this. And I was like, yeah. Oh, this is old people. Then I saw yeah. boobs. I was like, all right. Yeah, Colin Camp. Yeah. 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 So it's, uh, yeah, Christopher Lloyd is great. He's so great. Yeah. Uh, Martin Mull, I know him as uh, Mr. Kraft from Sabrina the Teenage Witch, um, the, uh, oh, the, the fuddy duddy principal from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And so when I saw him, retroactively as Colonel Mustard, I was like, damn, like it's still, he still has that same kind of musty crustiness to him. He it didn't look like I, when I looked him up, I immediately recognized him as like the grandpa from every like nineties movie or whatever. Mm. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he was that guy for a long time. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember where exactly he is from, like where I remember him from, but like I knew him from everywhere, but I had to look him up because I was used to old him. You know what I mean? Like at yeah. least the old man version of him. So when I looked him up, I was like, "That's I don't know who this guy is." Then I looked him up, like, "Oh wait, I totally know who this guy is. He's been in a million things. I cannot remember one thing he's been in." But yeah. he was in like, wasn't he in Arrested Development? Like as a bit part? I think he's been like, he's been a TV staple for decades. So yeah, that's what I mean. Like, like he's been on a lot of shit. Okay, I'm looking him up now. Oh wow, he was on. Okay, Brooklyn Nine Nine, NCIS, Veep. Community, Psych, Two and a Half Men, Law and Order, American Dad, Arrested Development. Okay, yeah, I've definitely seen him in the 70s show. Simpsons. I mean, yeah, he's been in everything. Fair enough. Yeah. Roseanne. Oh, yeah, he had a part on Roseanne, right? Yeah, he was pretty That's important right. on Roseanne. He was That's like... right. He did. He totally did. And he had a, he had a part on uh, Larry Sanders' show, too. Yeah. I believe he did a couple episodes on there, too. There you go. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I didn't recognize him young. I had to go see him like 90s version. Then I was like, oh, I know who he is now. Cool. Yeah, so. Eileen Brennan is not one that 
you I might have know. really yeah because she was on will and grace and seventh heaven yeah. and i didn't really watch seventh heaven but i've seen will and grace and she was also in miss congeniality too armed and fabulous mm-hmm. which i love the first miss congeniality and the second one i have to watch because it's stupid but also i love sandy shatters so. in those movies i like those movies those, movies, those yeah. movies were fine shatters in the first one right yeah shatters in the first one and regina king is in the second one as, yeah. yeah as the she's been in stuff i've seen though this woman she was in like jeepers creepers wasn't she yeah yeah i think yeah, so she's yeah. like she plays like the crazy like cat lady and like horror stuff all the time she's got that look to her yeah Especially on TV shows and stuff. Like I think I've seen her. She was, yeah, man. She's she was in Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) So she's been in a lot of. You probably have seen her if you don't know the name offhand. Yeah. Then we've got Michael McKean as Mister Green, the ostensibly homosexual until the very end, depending on which ending. Yeah. Ending. Man, he's been. He also has been in literally everything. So like. Yeah. I mean, he's in Better Call Saul right now. Yeah, right. So that's where you know him from. Right now, I mean, like, I don't even want to list the shit that he's in because it's like so long. Like, he's been in everything. He's most recently been in yeah, Better Call Saul was his most recent role. He was Chuck. uh, Yeah, in that. Leslie Ann Warren, she was best known for her Oscar-nominated performance in Victor Victoria. Yeah. She was in Daredevil. Was she? Yeah. She was Esther in Daredevil. I think she was in like one episode. I don't know. I don't know. She wasn't that. Okay, cool. I'll look up. Yeah. It's obviously a bit part. Like it wasn't yeah, like so a huge part. It's not part. a huge part, but like it's one of those like, oh, if you know if you know who it is, then it's like, hey. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. And you know, so the reason I wanted to choose this movie is because of its like it's got a very weird like history with the gay community because it's also like yeah, yeah i totally wanted to ask you about this because yeah. like you brought that up while we were chatting about it and i was like wait what so okay. like yeah so the the gay connection is tim curry and tim curry okay. is, makes sense yeah this movie because of the tim curry connection ended up being one of those midnight screening uh, shadow cast films the same way that they do with Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. People dress up and go because it's a period film on top of everything else. So and like gays love their period drama. Yeah, goddamn, absolutely. Also, very fond of movies where women show up in like the most obscenely small French made outfits. Yeah, I don't know what it is with <laughs> gay culture, and all of a sudden, like the hottest woman ever will show up in the skimpiest outfit of all time. But it's in the gayest movie I've ever seen. And I'm yeah. like. Why is this happening now? Who is this for? Is this just for me? I, well, I guess it is. It's for everyone. Everyone appreciates a tiny little maid outfit. I, I mean, don't yeah, know. for sure. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense. It's just, it's, it was a little strange. Anyway. It's, yeah. And so, like, and on top of that. Like, <gasps> oh, shit. You know, she wasn't Daredevil. Hmm. Remember the lady who owned the, the Jewish lady who had the white painting that yeah. Wilson Fisk keeps sending people to go back and get it from her? Oh, yeah. That's her. Oh, yeah. Holy shit. That's one of the best roles in that yeah, show, and I totally forgot about it. Good, that's awesome. She was great in that. Yeah, she's fucking. That she was, was really, fucking great. Sorry, it was fucking bugging me. I was like, "Who the hell was she yeah. doing?" <laughs> anyway, so, sorry. Yeah, so like, but it's the individual like madcap performances. I think that really like Tim Curry's over the top enunciation, which was one of the best parts of 
him being Frankenfurter was yeah. also very much on display in in this movie as well. There's a scene where Madeline Kahn like is <sighs> defending herself and fucking flips the fuck out, and it's completely ad libbed apparently, right? Like yes. according to the intro. Okay, and like the reaction shots from fucking Christopher Lloyd and Maul are looking back at each other and they're like, I have no fucking clue what's happening right now. And Tim Curry's just like, yeah, yes, and. You know, you yeah. see him very clearly, like, ad-libbing, <laughs> he, like, yes, you, and. Tim Curry has this little smile on his face that he's clearly trying to hold back. Yep. Uh, he's he's coursing. In there. Because he's coursing fucking hard. Yeah. yeah. So the thing about oh, that so scene is, is that Jonathan Landis was really, like, stick to the script and when you have six brilliant or seven eight brilliant comic actors working together it's like saying like it's like hurting cats right so the it's it's like it's like being on the fucking set of ghostbusters and being like yeah we're never we're not doing any ad lib stick to the script bill murray right Exactly. And I put Madeline Kahn up there oh, and like, oh my God. God. So when she starts doing the flames, flames on the side of my face, <laughs> breaths, heaving breaths, and I, every time, I can't stop laughing. I just like, and you see the reactions. Apparently, it was, she did this scene four times, and every time it was funnier as it progressed. And I couldn't imagine holding in, like, her, because on top of the, what she's saying, her line delivery is fucking insane. It's like completely nuts. Just the way that her voice just keeps going up and up. It's just so I can't. Well, it's like, just like it, it, it says all it needs to say when you're like her performance in the scene is so funny that she almost broke Christopher Lloyd and Tim Curry in the yeah. same scene. Like she's so much funnier than yeah. everybody around her at that point. Yeah. She almost killed Tim Curry and Christopher <laughs> Lloyd's performance. Yeah. These are two, like, some of the funniest motherfuckers who've ever been alive. And she's yeah. funnier than both of them by a long shot. Long in shot. one shot. Yeah. One shot. And she killed them both. Like, yeah. so fucking good. Ten seconds of that movie, and it is probably one of the most, like, this is the, the line that gays, like, quote to <laughs> each other. White, white gays in particular are very fond of Madeline Kahn's flames, flames on the side of my face line, because it expresses a level of like camp anger that makes literally no sense, but at the same time makes all the sense in the the world. It's just so people misuse the word iconic a lot, but this is an iconic film moment. And I think that like people and you're waiting when you're rewatching this movie, you're waiting for this scene. And every time I'm waiting for the scene and it never fails to live up to that moment. Because oh, I, I always laugh every time I see it. Every single I time. I fucking died. I hadn't seen, like I said, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. So I kind of wasn't, it wasn't quite expecting it again. And when it happened, I was like, Oh, I forgot about the scene. And I was fucking just dying. <laughs> Cause like, I didn't, like watching reactions, and she's just like breathing, oh. anyway. breath, heaving breaths, heaving breaths, heaving. I immediately breaths. had to like stop, and be like, "Wait, what was that?" <laughs> like, I have to go back and look at this again. It's so fucking I funny. I hated her so much. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, like there are just so many good lines. And, like, they all build up. You think that, like, the double entendre is finished, and then it just keeps going. 
and they also like there, there's a couple that are just like and it's comedy by repetition too right like the first time they tell the joke it's like oh it's just kind of something that happens yeah. by the time that the 12th time they tell the joke it's the fucking funniest thing you've heard yeah in the last hour yeah so one of my favorite exchanges also with madeline khan is where it's between her and colonel mustard and it goes a little bit like this like how many husbands have you had mine or other women's yours five five yes just the five husbands should be like kleenex soft strong and disposable you lure men to their deaths like a spider with flies flies are where men are most vulnerable <laughs> when, i forgot about that line again too when i was watching because there's so many that's one of the reasons why this movie is so rewatchable is that there's so many that like a different one will hit you differently when you watch it again because you're like yeah. oh i didn't catch that because i was laughing at the previous it's the the mel brooks style of comedy writing where it's one yeah. joke after the other and some of them don't land but eventually one will and sometimes yeah. multiple <laughs> land in a row and then you don't know what to laugh at and you just keep just keep laughing. It's yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. And she I obviously she worked with Mel Brooks quite a bit. So Yeah. yeah. So uh, she yeah. She knew her shit. Yeah. yeah. But it's not a perfect film, as you said. Yeah. The middle the middle it's it's not even that it, it drags, it's just you're 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 running around from murder to murder kind of breathlessly, basically, right? Like people are dying and then you, the whole group runs to that and then like we all investigate and then somebody else dies and we run to that next murder yeah. and we all run and we all investigate yeah. and then somebody dies and we all run and investigate that next one. And it's like, all right, we've been doing this for half an hour and I guess we're going to be doing this for another half an hour before it wraps up. So- oh my God. It's almost like playing the actual board game itself. It is. Oh it is. I, I That's what I wrote. In my The only thing I wrote in my notes was like, the middle of this movie is actually structured like playing the fucking board game, and I kind of hate it. Yeah, it's just terrible. So, yeah, it's and, terrible. And it's, a, it's an accidental. Like, how does how does a ninety minute movie feel like it's too fucking long? Like, I know there's a point because there's like there's bits that are fucking hilarious throughout the whole movie, but there's a chunk about halfway through where you're like you're running through your sixth murder or something like that. And you're just like, I don't. I hope they all die. Now. Yeah, yeah. Even the even the boobs. Like, I don't even want that to survive anymore. I just want this all over. Yeah. And then it does. Then it ends. You're like, oh, thank Okay, cool. That was fine. Well, but- you get this this lull all the yeah. way through the, the middle. And then suddenly we get to the I'm going to wrap everything up. And Tim Curry, uh, they have that joke about like. Uh, Tim Curry just does like a fucking rail coke and goes fucking yeah. ballistic for half an hour is what happens. Right yeah, there, I so. think the, the, uh, the running gag is to make a long story short, too late. Um, yeah. Oh, God. I love it. <laughs> That's the, it's those are those the little like uh back talk kind of like one liners that they have. Yeah, the callback one liners are yeah, the callback one liners are great. Yeah. Like the one dude who's like, oh, what is he? He keeps saying something. It's like Michael McKean will be like, I, I knew half of this or something like that, and they're like only half or whatever kind of thing. You know what I mean? Uh, like that the joke about him being an idiot, and then they'll just like agree. Oh, now there's one thing I don't understand. One thing. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, it. Yeah. That, Sorry, that is one thing Lloyd, I don't understand. Yes. Christopher Lloyd delivering that one thing was... Oh, oh. He gets a couple of them, too, he actually. Get, he gets yeah. a few zingers, and yeah. uh, he is absolutely wonderful in this movie, too. I will, oh, not, I will not discount any of the performances in this movie, no. even except for leaving. 
but <laughs> that's just, I mean, that was just such a weird, like he's playing a gangster or something like that. I don't know what he was doing when he came into the, but then he's supposed to be the butler. He gives like a completely different energy than the entire rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. And it's really weird when he walks in. Just happy to be there. Feels like, I, guess, I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess. But I mean, fine. He's not in it for very long. He dies fine when he needs to die. So that's, that's always a plus. Yeah. Yeah, no, like I, it, it really is just that it lags through the middle. Otherwise, like the dialogue's snappy. Like that's, I mean, that's what you're selling this movie on. Is like, hey, look at this cast, and I, by look at this cast, I mean like Tim Curry, Christopher Lloyd, and Matt McConaughey in this fucking movie, and they're going to deliver jokes to you at yes. a fucking rate that is probably criminal now. Like <laughs> you should, you shouldn't be allowed to deliver fucking shit this funny at this fucking high rate. There's probably a law somewhere now where you're just like not allowed to do this kind of shit. Well, that would explain why there are no comedies in theaters anymore. Well, we, I know that's the other thing we were talking about kind of because of this was just like the, the complete dearth of non-action movie grafted comedy movies that happen anymore. Because like the last one I can remember was like at the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard and Paul brought up like Suicide Squad. And I'm like, those are both $150 million action movies that happen to be funny. Like they don't make comedies anymore. They definitely don't make this kind of comedy where you get like some of the funniest motherfuckers on the planet, sit them on a set for like probably four weeks, give them a script and shoot it and like just let them do their thing. Right. Yeah. Along with whatever. Yeah. So. Well, we talked about the Judd Apatow style of like improv comedy, which is very different from like the kind of scenario based script like, stuff, scripted that, yeah. stuff that we have here where like you get a little bit of ad lib available but they're really like it's a lot of character work to deliver these one-liners and like you're build it's a little bit it's just a different style of comedy absolutely and, yeah and i feel like there's room for the apatow style like i love bridesmaids for your virgin all that stuff super bad yeah all those movies are great super bad yeah and so i'm not uh totally opposed to like the no script improv style we're just riffing on each other for yeah, like, yeah, I love I love every Paul Rudd movie, basically. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like that's what and, he does, right? So right, but I do kind of miss like the snappy yeah. comedy writing and like having people like take a, a writer's lines and deliver them, and like every actor brings their whatever they can to the table, and then you get you can use that to have a scene like Madeline Kahn's flames on the side of my face moment that is you know just yeah and like that the reaction is. what makes that movie that that scene so funny is the reaction that like i mean you're reacting to her first of all but then you're yeah. also reacting to like christopher lloyd and tim curry and stuff like who are also reacting to that scene happening yeah. right in front of them yeah which is really nice and like they're expecting that scene to happen in front of them i don't know it's just it's it's a different style of comedy than like you're you'd be used you're used to now i guess mm-hmm. i don't think it's any better or worse Actually, I kind of think it's a little bit better. A lot of yeah. the time, I feel like the jokes. Because I'm like, I start thinking about like other movies like those, where like the jokes don't necessarily land. Like I was thinking about Ghostbusters 2016, where mm-hmm. it's just like a mile a minute. They're constantly running jokes, or like trying to run jokes. Like they're running improv together, and like yeah. the jokes aren't landing, and you're just like, Ugh. yeah. Or at least this, you know, somebody's written the script, so that like the jokes are going to land because the jokes are funny because they were written thought about ahead of time. And the, yeah, and the jokes are there. And, yeah. like, and then it's just not... a matter of getting these like stellar performers 
in the right spot to deliver the joke to nail it. And that's yeah. why you, like that's what the actor's job is then. Yeah. And that's what I always find weird about these these modern improv comedies. And I'm talking out of my ass because I don't act and I don't give a shit about actually being in a comedy. But I find that odd. Because like I would I feel like I would be so much happier to have I don't know, and it's something we've talked about on the podcast, especially with Christy, who was an, an improv comedian. And I was always so much more like a, a stand up guy, right? Like I yeah. would, like plan this stuff ahead of time and hone it to the finest edge it possibly can before you stab the motherfucker with it kind of thing, mm-hmm. as opposed to just swiping at them like an improv. I feel like that's kind of the difference. Like an improv comic just swipes at you till they hit your funny bone. Yeah. Stand up comic or like these kind of this kind of comedy is more like we have the knife sharp and ready. We're just ready. We're just ready to put it in your kidney kind yeah. of thing. So and then you know, and then you it allows the moments where that you let the actor uh, uh, handle the blade the way they will because yeah. they already established that they can deliver those jokes, right? And then you get a battle con moment, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And uh-huh. like, I feel like maybe one of the reasons why like people shit on the Marvel humor a lot, but like those one-liners are written in the scripts, and like there still are riffy moments when they have the the actors have that level of chemistry. Like you can have Tom Hiddleston go off and do a moment oh, yeah, like or you, whatever. Like, like, yeah, I was going to say like, like Hemsworth and Hiddleston obviously get like a ton of room to like do bits. Like, you know what yeah. I mean? It's just a different style of comedy. I'm like, I, and like, they're both equally valid. I just, there is, there was something about going back to this that I was like, Oh yeah. Like this is fun. Like yeah. these are just master craftsmen. Just like, you know, putting together yeah. a fabulous meal for you, basically. Yeah, so. and one that fucking flopped horribly. Oh, yeah. But, like, it deserved to, also, in the, yeah. in a weird way. You know what I mean? Like, the movie's very uneven. Like, that middle section where they're just basically playing the game, it's, like, kind of terrifying, really. Yeah. But it's There's reason to go, I think, especially in, like, the age of streaming, like, 90 minutes, like, go back and watch these, like, absolutely. I mean, if you can find it on streaming, I, I couldn't, you know, yeah. but go absolutely check out that like for this for that like if you're looking for a comedy performance so yeah and th- that's why like i can't really give this a number rating per se yeah like this is well, i was like, gonna say i'm like do we want to wrap it up like what else do we want to talk about do you have anything else you want to bring up before we kind of get out of here not particularly i think that there's yeah. not much more else to this movie besides just just go to check it out go if you can if you can find it watch it absolutely yeah, yeah. And, like i mean madeline khan christopher lloyd and like tim curry like that's just curry. like that's it's enough gold. for me. Like it's gold. Michael McKean and everybody else that are in it, or is it like that's like icing on the cake at that point. But the whole those three, yeah, yeah the whole ensemble. And apparently, they had a really great time filming this. They were all oh, like, it looks like they were having a good time. Yeah. yeah, Martin Mull did an interview where he said like one of the shitty things about being an actor. Not, and I'm paraphrasing because I don't think he would use that word. But like, um, yeah, he, you get to you get excited to work with a particular actor, and you might have like four scenes with them. But all of the characters were in every scene together almost all the time, except yeah. when they they pair off and go do their thing. And so it was like, they got to be like really tight and were constantly laughing with each other and just had a really great time on set to the point where like Tim Curry was a little pissed off at some point, apparently not in like a serious way, I guess, but like he had these huge, long winded screaming, like monologue and and all these guys were just laughing while he was trying to pull this off and he couldn't get, get his 
lines finished. So he had to keep redoing these scenes where he's running across the goddamn set. So yeah, apparently they had a great time. And you could kind of tell that this is a labor of love more than anything. And that's like what kind of gets you through the movie at the end. Like, I don't really want to give it a, a, a number review either. Like, it, I would score it probably like higher than I than it, it gets kind of generally speaking. Yeah. But like, I don't know what I was going to say. It's like, I was just like, if it's a binary recommend, not recommend, this is like a recommend for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would yeah. I would totally give it a thumbs up, like recommend. Yeah. Like just that Tim Curry stuff. Just so yeah, good. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, that was fun. I mean, and thank you because this was fun to do something that wasn't like four million years and super depressing or yeah. such a mind fuck that I actually had to like pay attention to it. It's always nice to do something a little bit like lighter that I'm going to have fun with. Yeah. Awesome. So let's move on then to our final segment of the night. We'll do geek cred and get out of here. Paul, what do you want to recommend to the fine, fine people? Uh, I don't know, man. I should have thought of something before this. Is season 14 of drag race is on now. Is it? Yeah. Well, I really recommend Joni Mitchell. People go find some Joni Mitchell since she left Spotify. Oh, I mean, go listen to blue. Like it's one of yeah, the man. greatest folk albums ever. Like go listen yeah. to blue finish. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, go listen, and go listen to Holly too. Why not? Yeah, well, I was like, so my for this week's basically just go listen to Neil Young. I'll just recommend Mirrorball from 1995. <laughs> you, you would, you would, because it's got my boys on it. And, well, I mean, it's not even at anything. It's just like it's the band Pearl yeah. Jam playing with Neil Young, and it, it totally proves to me that like Pearl Jam, one of the best backing bands like of all time. <laughs> Weirdly <laughs> enough, yeah. Did you know that I actually yeah. listened to grunge music of my own volition this week while I was at the gym. I was what were you like, listening to? I was listening to some Stone Temple Pilots, and then I listened nice. to some Pearl Jam, and then I listened to some Soundgarden because I needed uh, I needed some edge. I was like, I've been listening to so much like pop and more like vibey kind of music, and yeah. like I was, and I'm still waiting for the new Mitski album to come out, which is coming out in a few weeks, I think next month. I would like, and that's more like synthy '80s style stuff, but you know, with uh, Mitski's particular suicidal edge to it. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I was looking for something that was a little bit more aggressive or like glam. I guess I wanted glam because I wanted Stone Temple Pilots. That's Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and then yeah. I was like, I really want to listen to State of Love and Trust, and then I just went down a rabbit hole, and then I ended yeah. up on Soundgarden because I wanted to listen to Pretty News. Speaking of, oof. anyway, that, yeah. that record, anyway. that record. I mean, I mean, we can talk about that on the F side till the fucking cows come home. But it's always like that record's become it's so much better than it was back in the day. Like it's, yeah. it's it, that album is aged like a fine wine. Yeah, and truly. is so much harder to listen to post Chris because it is a dour fucking record where his heart is on his sleeve for the entire bit of it yeah. either way basically what i'm trying to tell you is to fuck joe rogan i guess fuck spotify we'll see if my shiny feed stays up like i finally i just got the spotify feed live again and now i'm like ah fucking fuck spotify everybody's leaving spotify yeah fuck spotify and joe yeah. rogan and joe don't rogan. get vaccinated for the love of god go listen to neil young rocking in the free world still fucking rules yeah. harvest moon god it's still such a pretty song yeah, listen to California by Joni Mitchell if you want one track that you have to listen to. I mean, there's so many. So that, many. So many. Doesn't they, matter. Both of these artists have storied folk rock careers. Go listen to all of their albums. Even like the experimental wow. Joni Mitchell stuff is let's, worth it. Let's not listen to some of Neil's Neil's some of Neil's weird shits. Like you listen to trans. <sighs> yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. But it like, is. yeah, his classic <laughs> stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I, I mean, I, I recommend Mirrorball because Pearl Jam, but like really like Harvest, Harvest Moon, Harvest Rust Never Sleeps. You know what yeah. I mean? After the Gold Rush, yeah, Gold Rush, Gold Rush, maybe one of the best fucking records yeah. just like ever recorded by a man in a guitar. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Neil Young is my recommendation for you this week, guys. Yeah, everybody, thank you for listening though. To this has been episode. 287 of dance robot dance if you haven't already please subscribe you can do that from any podcasting app you choose uh we are hosted by podbean on apple podcasts google podcasts amazon music stitcher and fuck spotify but we're there too i guess for now assuming spotify i don't know what's going on who knows if you have any thoughts about anything we talked about this week please hit us up on facebook at facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast you can email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com or tweet at drd underscore podcast I've been here with Paul. Say good night. Good night, everybody. Thank you again for being on the show and uh, saving my bacon while Tim goes off and gets COVID or always a pleasure. Disney not shit. not yeah. getting COVID, but uh, co-hosting is always a good time. Yeah, I don't yeah. Well, you know getting COVID wouldn't be any fun, but co-hosting is not terrible. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Mark. Uh, I'm on Twitter at M underscore Willette. You can check my art out at MT underscore Willette on Instagram. I have big news next week actually, that I'll be able to share about my poster stuff. We'll get there next week. We will talk to you then. Have a good one. Again, Paul, thank you for, you know, doing an episode. Anytime. Have a good one, guys. Bye.